In a recent study, 3,000 employers were asked what is the number one skill they were seeking in their future employees. I know for myself, my mind went straight to hard work, content knowledge, honesty, and all of those are important characteristics and skills. However, as this week's guest shares, the number one desired skill is collaboration. So how are we as educators creating dynamic and effective opportunities for our students to work together? In this week's episode, my guest Trevor Muir discusses how to make learning authentic, how soft skills are essential skills, connecting lessons to real-world issues, and his new fantastic book, The Collaborative Classroom. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Trevor, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, fun to be with you tonight, Josh. Trevor, we had an opportunity to meet not too long ago, actually, just, what, a couple months ago? A couple months nowadays feels about <laughs> 10 years. So yeah, it was good to meet you about a decade ago. It was like a decade ago. Man, you were at this conference and you killed it. Man, you just have a gift. That's all I got to say. You have uh, a gift. It was such an honor to be in both your sessions that day. And you spoke about collaboration and about soft skills, which you really dive in about they're not so soft, which I loved because I totally yeah. believe that. And so I just had to get you on the podcast. I've read your book. It's phenomenal. And we're going to talk about that tonight, too. Oh, thank you. But before we dive into all those different topics, do you mind just sharing with the listeners what your educational journey was? Yeah, absolutely. And and I love your work too, Josh. And Thank so you. it was fun when we connected at that conference because I'd I've been following you for a while. And then when you reached out, I was like, oh, he's in my session. <laughs> that that amps up the pressure a little bit. Uh, and so I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, I uh, I've spent most of my time as an educator as a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and my very first school that I taught at was a, it's called a new tech school. So it was a public school, but it was really focused on project-based learning and hands-on authentic learning experiences. So that was my very first teaching job. And I literally like applied for that job, not because of the opportunities that project-based learning was. I had no idea what PBL even was. I literally applied for the job because I needed a job (laughs) and and I wanted to be a teacher. And it was like, oh, here's one that I could apply for. And I got it and it was great. And then it just opened up this whole world to me that I had no idea existed in education. And so, I mean, we just had kids from every walk of life, from all parts of the city that I live in here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and lots of kids who just didn't seem to fit the educational mold. You know, school didn't seem to be made for them. And then there was also high flyers who were doing really well, but just wanted something different. But it was a lot of kids who like couldn't sit still on a desk yeah. or because they didn't get good grades, they always thought they were dumb or, or just school didn't seem to be made for them. And then all of a sudden they went to this school that I got this honor to teach at to start off my career. And it was all about how can you solve real world problems? Yeah. How can you not just learn for the grade book, but you're actually learning to solve things that actually matter to your community, but then also to you. Yeah. And I just watched all this transformation and it just made me geek out about all that stuff. Um, and so I eventually I, I started teaching others how to do this project based learning. And but then I would get this feedback like, hey, man, I love the stories you're telling and I love what you got to do with your students. But I don't go to a school that's made for project based learning. Right. Yeah. Like we've got desks in my classroom that my grandparents sat at. Right. Like <laughs> Some of their gum is still under that desk. It's just like fossilized now. Yeah. And so it was, I like I took that as kind of some conviction like can you do this stuff in a traditional classroom? Mm -hmm. Can you 
you know, make learning more realistic and hands-on and authentic and skills-based and still be really rich in content. Can you do that elsewhere? Mm -hmm. um, and then that led me to leaving that dream school I was at and going to a much more traditional school, but one that was really committed to trying new things. And, yeah. and I was like happy to report that you can do it anywhere. And so, <laughs> yeah, my journey started there. And now I just get to spend a lot of time, you know, working with college students as a professor, yeah. But then also writing books and and traveling around and get well i used to travel used around to, now yes. traveling around on the internet virtually <laughs> uh getting to just help teachers figure out how to do some of this stuff and then learning from them as well that's amazing and so i want to talk i want to go way back i want to go back to the young trevor in school because you shared that in the conference and i resonated with that because i very much dislike school and school did not fit mm. my mold and, and you became a teacher yeah, teacher and administrator. Guess that that's just laughable right there. Because a, a lot of people who don't like school don't usually want to dedicate their lives to being in one all the time. And that's, that's why a lot of teachers didn't necessarily like it, but they really excelled in it, yes. right? And that so for you, that, that was not the case? <laughs> no, and so for my mission, it's always been I want to change the experience for other kids. Like I know there's other kids that are just like me, um, and I think you speak on that too, is like I don't want kids to experience school the way I experienced it. Like I dreaded it every single day and I want kids running into my building, not running out. And I was that kid. I couldn't wait to get home. Like as yep. quick, as quickly as I woke up, I wanted to be home. So I just wanted to make education different because I knew for me it was broken and yeah. I felt like there was some way to, to change that. So I resonated a lot with your story and I would love for you to share with the listeners kind of what your experience was growing up and you know, why, you know, you're feeling as passionate as you do about looking at education and fixing real world problems in the soft skills piece. Yeah, I think you just told my story, essentially. I think we have the same one. So uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yep. I enjoyed it. It was fun. All right, signing off. No, yeah, it's the same story. I hated school. It wasn't made for me. Like I was, there was this whole grading system that like was the whole measure of your worth to, to the education system growing up. Like, you know, I, I'll never forget. And I can't remember if I shared the story at the conference you were at or not, but I'll never forget having a lot of struggles with math my sixth grade year. And this was the same year my parents split up. This is the same year that my grandmother who was living in my home died. This is the same year that I was going through all of these different things and life was heavy. And the last thing I wanted to do was learn how to like factor polynomials or, <laughs> or solve long division or whatever we did in sixth grade. I don't even remember. And so like, it was a tough year of life and I struggled deeply with math. And then when I got a really bad grade, and they moved me out of honors math into regular math in seventh grade. I was like, oh, I'm clearly not that smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm one of the dumb kids clearly. And I was treated like it. And I, yeah. and I remember it being such a, like a formative experience in a negative way. And that kind of carried with me for years and years and years. And it kind of seeped into other parts of my life. And I just remember kind of eventually swearing off school. Mm -hmm. This is, this is. This is not what I'm made for. I'm made for other things. And I started thinking like, oh, you're just really creative. You know, I mean, you're really right-brained. You're not made for the, yeah. the system that is education. But, but then kind of in the same way, I, I made this commitment at one point in college, like, you know what? I had a few teachers in my experience who dove so deep into my life and mm -hmm. invested in me and made learning real yep. and shared their own personal stories with me and let me share mine. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Yep. is is do the same thing for other kids and now that mission is still the same but it's also like well i want to do this i want to help other teachers learn some ideas of how to do this as well 
which I don't have all figured out, but uh, <laughs> anything I can do to help people figure out how to do it. I mean, cause it's, it's difficult work, but it is just such profoundly rewarding work as well. So Trevor, I want to know, like when you were a student, did you ever sit in class and be like, this does not apply to me. I will never use. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that, I, that was my probably uh, most of my K-12 adventure. Okay. So as far yeah. as the project-based learning and the things that you bring to the classroom, how are you doing that so like your students don't feel the same way in your class? Yeah, you know what? I, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, I guarantee you at some point in my life, I was taught about the French Revolution, right? Like I bet you at some point in my existence, somebody taught me about it. Yep. And yet I have absolutely no recollection of it at all. Like I could not tell you why the French Revolution occurred. Now I know I could go Google it now, but it's kind of interesting that I probably spent a whole week of my life at some point rigorously learning about it and writing about it and reading about it and talking about it. And yet it's not in my brain at all. And yet what's, what's interesting is as a teacher, uh, when I'm teaching something from history, like if I was teaching my students about the Industrial Revolution, we'll use that as an example. Sure. I only know about the Industrial Revolution now because I've been a history teacher and I went and studied it so I could teach my students, so right. I could design curriculum for them. Yet I had no recollection from life. And yet with my students now, it's like, okay, how do I make this come alive for you? Like, how can I make this authentic for you? And so we went and found refugees who live here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who greatly struggled when they came to our country, when they came to our town, because they were not familiar with a lot of the technology and, and customs and laws in our town. These were brand new to many of them who come here. And it was almost like I made this connection, like, oh, that's kind of like the Industrial Revolution, mm -hmm. like this modernity, these new ideas being introduced. And people are still struggling with new technologies and ideas. This is what I want my students to know. Yep. And so I made this connection. And when my students heard from actual refugees who shared their stories, shared their struggles for the next month while we were learning about the Industrial Revolution, my students were also creating tools to help refugees better assimilate into our society. And then they took these tools that they made and then they presented them to an actual social work agency who to this day is still using them in their programs to serve refugees. Wow. And so there was this authentic problem that existed that related to the content that I teach. And we were finding different ways to tie these together. And that's why I said earlier, these kids that have no interest in school are all of a sudden like working weekends because they've got to get that how-to video finished. Mm -hmm or they're working in groups and collaborating or presenting in front of live panels of authentic audiences, because if they don't do it, they're not gonna be able to serve this group of people who they've come to care about and now are feeling called to do something about. Are you, you know what I mean? Like oh, there's certainly. authenticity yeah. that's driving all of this and, and that drives engagement. Well, and I think that's the missing link there, right? I mean, because if you just pull the content and you start sharing that to the students, there is a disconnect between the content and why it affects them in their life and people around them in their community. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I first started teaching, I was one of these like idealists who just wanted to blow up the whole system and stop <laughs> teaching content and get rid of grades and all this stuff. Does that sound familiar at oh, all? Oh, most definitely. I'm, I'm talking to the same person here. Yeah, which I think is a great attitude for young teachers. Like, hey, go in there and push boundaries and see what you can do. Uh, but I've been also introduced to reality since then. And I, and I found out that there's systems that are hard to budge and we're going to keep budging them. Yep. But it's a little bit 
more complicated than just blowing it all up, right? And so I used to think like, you know what? We don't have to teach content. Now what I've learned is that when we make learning authentic, students actually learn the academic content at a much deeper level than they would if it was just for the sake of going into the grade book or just to make your teacher happy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know what? There actually isn't even a sacrifice of this content learning. My students can still do well on the SAT or whatever that test is, but then they're also developing all these skills Mm-hmm. And, and they're learning the content at a much deeper level. Yeah. And they're making the community better. Most That's important. what we should be doing. Yes, especially now. Especially <laughs> now. You think the community could be a little bit better? A little bit. A little yeah, bit. society. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got some work to do. We definitely do. But you know what? I'm excited about our next generation. Oh, My yes. kids are middle school kids right now. And I feel like the, the group coming up is just has a different reality or like perception um, they're more in tune with other people's feelings and problems and they want to serve and that gives me hope i'm very excited about the the next generation absolutely and i'm excited about the generation of teachers we have right yes. now because so many teachers i talk to get that about the generation you're talking about about your kids and like you're seeing teachers just change the way they do things mm-hmm. you know you know having a more social emotional approach to to assignments that they make making writing assignments not just about these hypothetical ideas but actually things that really matter to kids and i I just see it over and over with just so many teachers and it's like that gets me excited about the direction we're going for sure this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there you can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts now let's get back to the episode. Okay, I can talk to you about like a thousand different topics just on <laughs> that last response. So for time purposes, let's talk about grades because you talked about grades and how you felt like it was almost a stigma attached to that grade to you as an individual yes. and, and what you had to offer to the educational system. And I definitely felt that way growing up. And so one of my big passions, you know, becoming an educator was, oh, I'm going to change that similar to you. What are some practices that you have done to help students as far as grades and maybe more importantly, feedback? Yeah, that is such a good question. You know, I really believe in a holistic approach to grading. Like, I don't think the only indicator of a student's success should be their content knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of it, but there's so much more to a kid than just their ability to demonstrate their understanding on a test. And so it, it, we have to think of it in different ways. I think there's different things that should go in the grade book other than just content. Sure, content maybe needs to carry a little extra weight, but I also think we should be assessing students' ability to collaborate. Their, their, their creativity. There's ways that we can see, are they growing in their creative skills? Mm-hmm. Their, their critical thinking ability, you know, their ability to research and, and determine if something is true or not. I mean, th- those are all skills that are not just understanding content. You know what I mean? Like I was looking at this research survey of 3000 different employers and they asked, what are the top skills that you want for your employees? Mm-hmm. And this is 3000 different employers. And the number one skill was the ability to collaborate. That's number one, which is fascinating to me because look at the education system as as it traditionally is seen. It's it's dominated by this individualism, individual grades, individual advancement, individual seating, right? Like the individual, and yet 
it, the business world is clamoring for people who can work together. Number two on that list was, I believe it was communication, the ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. Well, why isn't communication in every single grade book across the country? Yeah. Why aren't we helping students get better at, at listening to each other and sharing ideas and taking this complex information that they're learning and finding ways to communicate it to mm-hmm. others? Um, and then also on that list was critical thinking, the ability to analyze and process information. Sure. And then I remember number five on that list is the ability to obtain information. Mm. So like jobs still want people who are smart. Yep. They still need people who understand the Pythagorean theorem and how photosynthesis works and like, the, and how, why the French revolution happened. Like there's still need for smart, <laughs> knowledgeable people. And so we should keep teaching that stuff, but it is number five on the list. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so like, I, I say, think when you think, talk about grades, it's like, well, we got to be thinking much more whole child approach yep. and a lot more things than just one. Yeah. Whatever that term that you keep using that kind of intertwines with everything is collaboration. I've, I think I've yeah. heard you say that so many times actually probably goes right into the book, which is the collaborative classroom. I'm mm. holding it right here and we'll be talking about more about, about that. But you know, in your book, you talk about collaboration and all the important pieces to that. And, you know, I think that word gets used a lot in education, yeah. especially now. But I don't think educators truly understand, like, all of the different components that are with that and what makes it successful in the classroom. So mm-hmm. as you were kind of working through collaboration as a young teacher and where you are now, in that journey, what were some things that made it successful in your classroom? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it starts with recognizing what makes it unsuccessful, <laughs> right. you know, like, I, I mean, talk to anybody and I mean anyone and everybody knows why they hate group work, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I've, I've got this phrase, I've been using hogs and logs. You've got the <laughs> hogs who just hog all the work and don't let anybody else contribute. And then you've got the logs, the one who just lay there and everybody else to drag them along. Sure. And it's like, who hasn't experienced that at some point in your life? Yep. And so like, you know, yeah, I've, I've got a book about collaboration. I talk about it all the time. It's a big part of the what I believe needs to happen. I mean, look at our political system. Yeah. We need to learn how to collaborate. Look For at sure. the social media echo chamber. The Lord knows we need people who know how to listen and collaborate with each other. Yep. And yet there's a deficit. Um, and yet in that same breath, I'll say, yeah, but I get why we don't do it in school because it's hard. It is. It's difficult to do. And so what I think we have to do is figure out, all right, well, then how do we do it well? Because mm-hmm. we can't ignore it anymore. I mean, I'm not saying school is the only reason we're having a collaboration problem in our society. But I do wonder if from a very young age, students learned how to communicate with other people and how to hold each other accountable and give strong, constructive criticism and give mm-hmm. critical feedback. I wonder if people knew how from the age of five and up to work in groups with people that they don't like. Yeah. Right. Because we have to do that. Yep. I mean, I, I mean that that's part of life. You got to yep. work with people who you don't necessarily want to be friends with, and that's okay. Yeah. Like that's not what collaboration is. Meaning you have to just be lovey-dovey with everybody. Mm-hmm. Collaboration means you find a way to solve a shared goal together. For sure. And that doesn't even mean working together at all times in front of each other. And that's why I think collaboration can work in the virtual space because essentially what collaboration is is everybody teams up and says, "All right, here is our goal." Who needs to do what and how can I support you in your task? And so even in a virtual space right now, if, if that's what you're doing or blended learning, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, could you have students get together in their own Zoom rooms? They know what the task is. They divvy up tasks. They use a tool to kind of help organize what, who's doing what. And then they go and work individually. 
and, and they work on their own at home and, and you have scheduled times for them to get back together and check their status of their work and who needs help with something or what do we need to ask the teacher for, whatever it is. I, I think there's ways to continue to do it. And I think those kind of can carry back into the classroom after all this COVID stuff is over. Yeah. You know, how do we give students real work that matters? Like what we talked about earlier, authentic work and authentic work that can only be done if we collaborate well. So you brought it up, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Earlier in the year, I had a bunch of bonus episodes of different educators trying to give tips and tricks for online virtual academy type of situations. So for our teachers that are teaching virtually, can you just provide some tips for them and maybe some things, some strategies that will help them in this unknown journey that they're going through? Yeah, absolutely. And if uh, you're listening to a backlog episode after the pandemic, I just want to say hi to you. <laughs> like, hey, hey, future people, how was it? We good? We good now? We're good. Um, but everybody who's listening now and we're still in the middle of it all, which we might be in for a bit here, you know, I would encourage some type of collaboration every single day. And that might mean discussion. You know what I mean? That might mean saying, you know what? We have Zoom. I'm going to put you in a breakout room. Here's what we're talking about. Go and talk about it. I'm going to hop into different rooms and just hear what you were talking about. Or maybe it's whole group discussion and having students turn and talk to each other virtually, you know, looking at having different squares. Mm -hmm. You know, when I say breakout room, I know for a fact that students are not going to be productive every single time that they go into a breakout room. Yep. And you know that too. For sure. And I think a lot of teachers are like, well, then I don't want to do it because I don't want kids to be goofing off. And it's like, well, this is hard. <laughs> this is this is a tough time that we're in. Yeah. And you know what? They're one out of five times, maybe three out of five times, they might goof off. Yep. But if we keep giving them opportunities to discuss and collaborate, the better they're going to get at it. I know a lot of teachers are beating themselves up right now because students aren't participating as much as they'd like. They might hold a virtual meeting and only three kids show up or nobody shows up. I've heard that. And I think what we got to remember is that your job isn't to get 100% participation out of your kids. Your job yeah. is to continue to give them opportunities to succeed. And so, I mean, have daily discussions, have authentic problems that they're still solving and put them in groups. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have them fill out what, what's called a project management log, which is just a, a spreadsheet that says who is doing what and what exactly are they doing yep. and when is that going to be due and have them check in with each other every single day and look at that spreadsheet. You know, use these type of accountability measures mm -hmm. that are just giving them opportunities to continue to work together. Yeah. Because here's another truth. When this is all said and done, we're not going back to complete normal ever again. Nope. Like this whole, this whole virtual meeting space is here to stay in a lot of ways, maybe not completely with school, but like I've got lots and lots of friends who work for big corporations and we're used to going into the office every day that are kind of done with that forever. Yep. Like they are forever going to be working in this hybrid. Sometimes I go in for meetings, but most of the time I'm zooming. Yeah. And so it's like, if we don't teach kids how to collaborate now, when are they going to learn how to do it? When like virtually as adults, that's not happening. <laughs> well, this is the thing is, this is the new normal. There is no turning back. Yeah. We don't even know what the future holds. I mean, look just at the last three months or six months. I mean, the world has been flipped upside down. Like you yeah. can't turn around and, and just say, oh, we're going to go back to normal. That's not how it works. I mean, even just the simplest thing is we're at the copier every single day making a thousand copies to yep. completely paperless. Yeah. Why, why haven't we done that before? <laughs> right. right. Why, why did we waste all of that money on that yeah. before? 
And dare I say, I don't want to say it out loud, but here in Michigan, this is like a bad word, but it's true. Snow days. Right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing of the past now because everybody knows how to Zoom. Yeah. Asynchronous work. There you go. Yeah. Right? So hopefully, hopefully they don't take that um, and do, actually do that. But it's a reality. Like there's a lot of things that are changing yeah. and we can either like grab our hair and rip it out and, and bemoan everything about it, or we can try to find some beauty in it. And it's For like, sure. oh, here's another way I can become a better teacher because of all this. Most definitely. Not to say like put our heads in the sand, but actually to say like, all right, well, what's the grace here? What's yeah. what's a way that I can grow through this? Yes, I agree. There is a lot of things going on that we shouldn't hide from. However, if we're mm-hmm. looking for things that are positive, there are a lot of the positive things and there are a lot of teachers that are being challenged and I have to applaud every single one of them because it's yeah, they are taking this challenge on by the horns and, and doing something about it. And I've seen so much growth in such a short period of time and I'm so proud of every single one of my teachers because they are taking change, which is typically in education has not been exactly embraced. They are taking change and they are moving with it every single day. So uh, for all our educators out there, definitely Trevor and I are very proud of you. Um, Absolutely. And, and I mean, just got to hit on that a little bit more. Yeah. Like teachers have just been asked to do so, so much freaking much since March. Just so, so much. And they're continuing to be asked so much. And the media acts like it's one thing. And social media and that dude from middle school who you still follow on Facebook is acting like he knows what's actually going on. But like, let's be (laughs) honest, somebody like you who is with this many teachers and helping lead them and guide them and listen to them every single day. And I'm just connecting with just teachers all over the world on, on Facebook right now. And it's just everybody's just doing incredible work. Yes. And under really hard circumstances. And I just, that's something we just shouldn't forget when this is all over. Yes. Yep. It's a beautiful profession and we got some mm-hmm. fantastic people. Yep. Trevor, we've been talking about your book, but I, I just want to give you a moment real quick. For those who haven't read the book yet, will you just give a quick synopsis? Yeah. that my, my second book is called The Collaborative Classroom. It's like, listen, if we want people to know how to work together, I mean, we are a communal people. Like that's, we're a communal species. We need to work together. We do our very best work when we work together. And that goes for as adults in your career, but students also do their very best work when they're working together in school too. It's not all about, I want to get you ready for some hypothetical future. I want you to thrive now. And research shows, which I share in the book, research shows that we learn at a deeper level when we're actually working together. So it's not all about preparation for the future. It's about, hey, if you want your learning to be deeper now and you want to create a people who know how to work together and solve big problems as a group. It's like, we got to start putting some more emphasis on it in school. Um, And so the book's all about how to do that well and uh, how to do that without like going crazy, but actually to love that kind of work as a teacher. For sure. And I love the take action steps at the end too. I think those are so important too, because it's not just about reading the book. You actually tell them, Hey, this is what you need to do. Um, yeah. to grow and to be better and so um, definitely for those who are listening make sure you go get that book we're also going to do a book giveaway trevor's been gracious enough to provide a book and so um, for one lucky listener we're going to have that and i'll have details out on social media but if you're listening to this episode make sure that you're looking for that but then also that you're purchasing this phenomenal book i've read it it is excellent trevor i know you have another project going on right now and it's called thriving as a virtual teacher and it's a course. So will you just share with the listeners what that's all about? Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually called Thriving as a Temporary Virtual <laughs> yes. Teacher. That's I've got in parentheses there. Uh, and it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about is like, listen, most of us didn't go to teacher school 
to be a virtual teacher. It's true. Most, most of us didn't do a student teaching assignment in a hybrid learning <laughs> or a virtual classroom, right? Yeah. Like your, your mentor teacher wasn't a, and that's just, that's just the fact. And so we've all kind of been thrown into this and it's kind of walking through the unknown. And so um, I'm just sharing on this course. It's, it's not a big, long course. I think there's only like 15 videos mm -hmm. and uh, videos and some reflection and some assignments and resources and tools, just about some different ways that you can thrive as a virtual teacher. And so we talk about how do you have really successful virtual meetings? How do you, what does assessment look like at a productive level? How do you take care of yourself as a virtual teacher? Yeah, like it's really hard uh, when you've got so many new things coming at you and new ways to communicate with your students and communicate with parents and grade and lesson plan. And a lot of people are working from home and it's yeah. hard to shut the office door. How do you do all of this well and take care of yourself? So we talk about some of those things and more. And I have been working really, really hard on it the last few months to get it out. And it's taken me forever because I'm a perfectionist <laughs> and I want it to be all great. But I'm a fi I, I finally got it out. So awesome. um, hopefully it's a helpful tool for people. Yes. Make sure you check that out. We're going to have the link in the show notes. So click on that and sign up. And then Trevor, I do this similar to your book. You know, I, I do an aspire action step at the end of each episode. And I, you know, this podcast is really about um, aspiring leaders and teachers and teachers are so much a part of leadership. And, you know, a lot of times teachers say, oh, I'm just a teacher, which is yeah. really not true because they are the backbone of education. So for our aspiring leaders, and maybe it's a teacher that doesn't have an actual leadership role, what can they do to make a impact beyond their classroom? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah, I, I think that just starts with knowing how powerful you truly are. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and then and doing some of that with that. But I, I think you're right. Like, I think there is this weird idea in the education world of just a teacher. Yep. I've said the words myself before. Like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm just a teacher. What do you yeah. mean just a teacher? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, that's crazy. Yep. And so like, if you want to make an impact, first off, realize that there's no such thing as just a teacher. If you are giving your life to this work, it's so much more than that. And then with that knowledge, go be loud about it. Yep. You know, go find out who can you make, who can you let know to make sure that teachers are cared for? Who do you need to care for yourself? Use your voice. I mean, we've got, go start a podcast. You know, I think it was 2016. I, I had like a, a student told me in class that he was tired or no, no. I said I was tired in class. I was like, Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> he goes, Oh, teachers always say they're tired. And, and I like, I went home that night and was like, Oh yeah. You know why I'm tired? And, and I made a little video about why teachers are tired and but why it's still worth it. And I made that video because I was like, you know what? I want other people to know that we're all feeling this way and yep. it's good and we're all part of it. And then I started making more videos and more videos and more videos. And it's kind of turned into this whole thing for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, all it takes is having a phone. And so yeah. whatever it is, it's like just realize how valuable you are in this profession and find a way to, to get it out there, whether it's on a really local level or, you know, using the Internet to encourage and inspire and give ideas to others. Yeah, I love it. Trevor, if someone is not following you, which they should, how can they connect with you on social media? Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Facebook at The Epic Classroom or Trevor Muir. You can type in either one. Mm -hmm. On Twitter, I'm at Trevor Muir. On Instagram, The Epic Classroom. 
And then you can also go on my website where I put a lot of my videos and all of my articles and you can get in touch with me on there. I, I've got a, and my course, a bunch of stuff is on there. That's at trevormuir.com. Yes, definitely check everything out that Trevor's doing. He is a inspiration to so many and it is such a pleasure, Trevor, to not only be a part of your sessions earlier in that conference, but to speak with you again this evening. Yep, my pleasure. <laughs>